grandmother once leaned over at the dinner table and said, must she talk? And that sort of thing, you know, it's a bit of a joke in my family about my grandmother, not about me, you know, about she was a bit of an old battery. (laughs) Um, But those sorts of things do stick, don't they? they? Um, Sorry, can I just say, my grandmother used to call me fidget arse. (laughs) (laughs) She got me, she got me absolutely... Hi, I'm Nikki Ship, and I'm Carrie Overton, and we're so excited to be sharing the ADHD connection with you. In each episode, we'll be talking about how our ADHD has impacted us over the last couple of weeks and using our skills as coaches to try and figure it out together. So join us as we explore the ups, the downs, the highs and lows of living with ADHD, because let's be honest, one way or another, it's a pretty eventful journey. Isn't it just? So, um, (laughs) hi Carrie. Hello, Nikki. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. It's all sunny and gorgeous here. Um, So, here we are with our very first shiny episode. Yeah. And we're talking about what's been happening for us in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And the sort of interesting things, otherwise known as challenges, that have come up for us. And I happen to know that you've been to um, a seminar that proved interesting. Yeah, it was really interesting, actually. So it was um, a friend of mine who also has ADHD invited me to it. And it's a lady called Dr. Samantha Hugh. I hope I'm saying that properly. And um, she runs an Instagram and she has a website called ADHD Girls. She said it would be ADHD women, but somebody had already taken that. So she called it ADHD (laughs) Girls, which we actually we were all girls. Um, And it was really, really interesting. And it was a room full of, I mean, when I say like-minded people, there was sort of play on words because literally our minds were alike. You know, we (laughs) walked Frighteningly. Yeah, there were people late. There were, everybody was fidgeting. (laughs) But it was really, really interesting. And I think for me, what... I found really moving was she shared this picture you may have seen it of an iceberg with a sort of above the water is the what ADHD looks like and it only has a few things what people think ADHD is I think it said at yep. the top yep, yep. but then underneath were all the things that ADHD really are and it it actually brought up a lot I felt I found it really emotional because I think since I got my diagnosis, um, which is oh, I don't know three years ago, something like that. I think I thought when I got it, that was like a missing piece in my jigsaw puzzle. It was like ah, oh, that explains why everything was so difficult growing up, and when I was a younger person, and when I first had my kids, and all of those sorts of things. But I felt very much like, but now I'm fine and I manage really well and everything's right and I have all these strategies in place and so that's great. And when I when I saw all those things under the iceberg, there was this sort of moment of absolute realisation of like, oh, I, Sorry, can I interject? Can yes. I just ask what sort of things... I have seen it, but can, can you just sort of go yes. into a little bit what sort of things are on there? Yeah, sure. Um, so it had um, 
things like, let me get it up on my screen now. Hang on a second. I did have it up, but of course I've got about four <laughs> million things open on my phone. Of course. So, um, well, here's just a few of them. Overwhelmed, perfectionist, um, masking, sleep difficulties, all or nothing, um, except executive dysfunction, spending issues, often late, self-esteem issues, um, rejection sensitivity, um, need for control, eating disorders, addictive behaviour, over-talk. I mean, it just went on, over-talkative, blah, 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 blah. And I looked at this and I th thought, oh, I still have ADHD, <laughs> <laughs> which sounds really obvious. But I think there was just this element of, um, I think almost a denial of, I, I'm, I feel like someone who has a handle on things. And it just stirred up a lot of thinking in me. And then... Really, last week, I had, I just had a really, I had a really hard week, Nikki. Um, and I just found myself feeling really, really overwhelmed, and that sort of nervous exhaustion feeling. Mm. And I think when I was a teacher, when I was a deputy head, I had that feeling very regularly, and I always just thought. Uh, it's the job, you know, that goes to the territory. It's a really demanding job. It's all that pressure. That's what's mm. causing it. But now I'm self-employed. I work as a coach. I, you know, have, uh, it, it's a very different sort of pressure, but it's compared to what it was, it's much less. But I still had that same feeling. I had this moment of absolute clarity and I suddenly thought, <laughs> oh, it's me. It's me. It's not the job, it's me. I I do this to myself because I mm. have this inability to, to stand still or stop or just, yeah, to stop. So I see my day as this blank page. And because for years I've had this coping strategy of being in school on a timetable, being quite structured, I've just applied exactly that same model to my self-employed life of cramming everything in so that I literally run from one thing to the next. And although the things I'm running between are different, so it might be that I've put in walking my dog, doing a gym class, you know, meeting up for someone for a coffee. So they're nicer things, but the net if or the, the end result is still the same. It's it's the it's the overwhelm. It's like, oh my God, I'm turned up to 11 the whole time and I can't cope because I'm I'm not getting any time to regulate or, or process. Can, can I be horribly coachy? Yes, always. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to say? be anyway. <laughs> <laughs> As we are with each other. Um, I was struck by what you said. This is the very first thing you started off with then when you were listing what you're doing now is I walk the dog. Mm. What do you do while you're walking the dog? Well, I, I, well, previously I was listening to podcasts, 
But that sounds nice, mm. yeah? You think, oh, mm. lovely, listening to a podcast. But no, because I've added a pressure element to it of I've got to listen to these amount of podcasts in this yes. time. So it's not just passing the time. There's a, there's a, I've built into it a pressure. There's some sort of I've got to achieve, mm. I've got to get this all done feeling. So even when I'm walking the dog, I'm kind of making sure I fit something else in with it. But you said previously. Yes, because having had a little meltdown <laughs> and realising it, it was literally one of those scales fell from my eyes moments of thinking, shit, I'm doing this to myself. It hasn't been teaching or this. And that coinciding with going into this um, seminar. And I thought, this is the ADHD. This is what I'm doing. It's this obsessive busyness or cramming things in or wanting to achieve or whatever it is mm. so I'm really really trying to stop so when I'm walking the dog I'm trying to enjoy quiet and seeing it as regulation time and space actually for my head to go and sing its little songs and make its funny noises and all the tabs are open shouting at each other but actually that time allows all those voices for want of a better word to have a little say and pop up here there and everywhere so by the time I've come I come home they've quietened a little bit yes and it's a realization that actually I probably need that time yeah. Well, does that make does, sense? Absolutely. Or do I sound nuts? Well, well, you are, and so am I. And that's thoughts. <laughs> that's what's so lovely about our conversations. Um, now, what I was thinking was a couple of thoughts. Where so you are already doing things about this this realization, and also, if I may interject, um, I had a similar experience yesterday because I too listen to podcasts on my daily walk. Because uh, as we know, podcasts are wonderful. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so I went for um, an appointment out in the wilds of Surrey and it was lovely beautiful day and when I came out of there I thought I don't have to be anywhere I'm going to go for a walk here rather than my usual local one it'd be nice to do something different and it was beautiful it was sort of a road through some fields and the sun was out and the... I stopped at one point I took my ear earpiece out from whatever I was listening to and I thought just stop Nikki just stop just be be mindful, just listen. And I stopped and it was beautifully quiet. There was a truck or something in the distance, but other than that, there was nothing. And I looked around and there was a butterfly, oh, I've got goose pimples. There was a butterfly on a bush about 20 feet away, back from where I'd just walked and I was on my way back to the car. And I looked at it and I thought, I'm going to come and look at you. So I walked back. In fact, it wasn't even that cogent. I just sort of started walking back and I looked at it and it sat on this, I don't know what the flower was, a little white thing that's probably a weed. Um, and it was beautiful and it just sat there and it, it was just flexing its wings. It was just a little white thing. It might have been moth, I'm not sure. Cabbage white or something. And it just sat there and, and it was almost like a game of who's going to move first. And eventually I thought, well, if I go, it'll go because I wanted to see it fly off. I just, for some reason, wanted to watch its wings move. And it did. And then it fluttered about and it fluttered about and it didn't like that bush. And then finally it ended up almost back where it started. 
And then it flew off and it sort of, we both released each other. And it was just one of those little moments that I'll probably remember for a long time. And I could have just carried on walking and a bit like you, it's so important to just stop. So how are you generally at building stop into your life? <laughs> um, better than better oh there's a judgmental word um, more adept at it than I used to be um, partly because I'm not being a graphic designer anymore or a copywriter or whatever else I used to be um, with deadlines and so on and I'm, I just my coaching sessions are my, my joy and my thrill and so they're fun yeah. and they are even when they're tricky they're fun um, and so they sort of add to the joy and the sense of connection, there's that word, um, in my day and so, and listening to the previous sessions and so on. So there, there is a sort of semi-meditative side to that where I'm in hyper-focus. So my brain is, is almost quiet when I'm coaching. I've just realised that. Yeah. My brain is kind of quiet while I'm coaching because I'm focused entirely on what the person's saying in a way that I never would have believed I could do. Oh, Absolutely the same. I would have never, ever put myself down as, well, as a good listener. Mm. Again, judgmental phrase saying I'm good at something, but it is not something I would have thought I am. I actually find, I sometimes think I'm not a particularly good friend because I really struggle to remember details of things in people's lives that I know they've talked about and people say oh do you remember we went to this place and that place and I, I just don't I just don't I don't know why I don't same yeah I just <laughs> don't remember things I don't remember details I don't remember things places that I've been it's sort of they just go unless something significant happens and and but you do remember what do you remember about them what's about friends <laughs> if you do <laughs> Well, it's yeah, yeah. Well, who they are? <laughs> I'm I'm Nikki, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I well, I remember. I think. Well, in NLP, we'd say they're the anchors, wouldn't we? The emotional anchors. Um, yes. So, yes. for anybody who who doesn't know, NLP is neuro linguistic programming, and, and Nikki and I are both um, NLP trained as as well as um, a coaching diploma. But um, and they talk about anchors, which are which are sort of the things in your memory the connections that you make with an event and they're the sort of emotional connections that you make is that mm. do you think is that a simple way of explaining it Nikki? yeah the emotion is what helps you the more emotional uh, an event is the more you like you are to remember yeah. it because it's a survival instinct yes because if a lion's about tries to eat you one day and you escape <laughs> the emotion of that help helps you to remember the next time that there's some some hint of lion about then then you will react accordingly yeah so so I think for me I remember those emotional connections mm. so I'll remember things that had particular events that prompted something but the nitty-gritty of like having a conversation and I can really think I'm concentrating on somebody and think remember this remember this remember they're going on holiday in <laughs> two weeks time remember it and but then I'll message them and they're like, oh, I'm on holiday. <laughs> and I think, oh, no, yes, you are. Where? And I have to sort of do this, oh, where are you again? And I'll have forgotten, even though I've really tried to remember. But I find when I'm in a coaching situation, and it's not that those people aren't important to me. Mm. It's it just, I don't know. 
But when I'm in a coaching session, I do feel very different. It's a it's a very different sort of focus. What do you think that's about? Do you have that structure? Oh, Sorry, to answer your question. Yes, I do. I, I I relate yeah. entirely to what you're saying. I I did a session with somebody not so long ago that was four and three quarter hours. How long? Four and three quarter hours. Oh my goodness. We did have a the odd five minute break, but they had something coming up, and it was very um, important that we we covered a lot of ground. And we both had time and we both were relatively fresh and we just carried on. It was incredibly useful. Um, and it was, uh, it was just one of the things. And somebody said to me, I, I mentioned that I'd done this. And they said, how do you focus for that long? And I said, I have no idea. It's just, uh, I guess we get dopamine from the whole situation. Maybe it's, I don't know. And, and I'm sure people in other walks of life have, have similar things going on for them because the ADHD mind is a weird and wonderful thing. And when we do go, and I guess it's hyperfocus to use our lingo from ADHD lingo, but it's not that you're not concentrating when your friends are telling you stuff, but I guess there's a lot of things going on and, and it's not your job. Whereas being a coach is our job and it's just different. Yeah. So I used to be able to focus. I used to be able to do, do things. I'd lasso my brain when I was designer to make myself be able to do my job. But when I'm not doing my job, I'm a different person and there's different aspects of me. And it's almost like I slip into whichever is, and, and so I'm, I don't know what the difference, what do you think? Well, I'm wondering if it's like a conscious switch. Is it conscious? That we, <laughs> is it conscious? Oh, hang on. How about how about it's conscious when we're going into work mode or coaching mode or whatever it happens to be when you're a teacher? Yes, that's, I think, it. But when you're going into switch off, being friends, relaxing, that's not necessarily conscious, but maybe on the drive home from work, or in my case, the walk of 20 feet across the patio, um, it's, it's you go into a different, you relax and you're a different part of yourself. That's all I can say. Yeah, maybe. I think that's probably it because I think when I'm coaching, I can really listen and I, I'm, it is, it, I guess it is a hyper-focus. I'm really focused on what they're saying, what they're not saying, what is unsaid, the words they use, the body language. And I feel totally absorbed in that in a different role. Whereas when I'm in I was going to say real no, life, what? like my job isn't my real, non-coaching, my, my personal life. I'm very different. And I think conversationally, I, I get, yeah, I'm a real terrible interrupter. I have to really work on that because I find conversation and connection really, really exciting. <laughs> and, and I just get, and I, so I get a bit overexcited by it. And so therefore I think I probably don't, I don't listen as globally as I would when I'm coaching and I'm 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 putting my stuff into the mix which I guess also you don't do in the same way when you're coaching. No. But also I would I don't know but so if we step away from the coaching we just look at sort of daily life and when we're interacting with our friends uh. you know we talk about the, your tribe and and if people are listening to this um Hello again. Um, if people are listening to this and if, 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 if they're in their sort of daily life with their friends, 
we talk about the tribe now, don't we? The, the finding your tribe. And presumably people listening to us, we've already all got something in common. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, because it could be some people who are not. My, my clients calls uh, neurotypicals normies, which I think is a wonderful name. Um, so the normies, hello, if you're listening, the, the, those of us with ADHD, we are already part of a tribe. And even those who don't have ADHD, if they're listening, then we're all kind of here for a reason. There's something about this whole topic that's that's engaging for us. And so when we're talking to members of our tribe and we're relaxed, we're going to be different, I suspect. And there's something about us as ADHD is that people find engaging. I certainly do find other ADHD. I mean, most of the people I work with, and like you, um, are neurodiverse, but mostly ADHD. And largely it's fun because <laughs> we're sparky and interesting mostly. You see, now that's an interesting thing that you've just said because you said, I think people, I think you said. <laughs> <laughs> what, you're not listening? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm never um, going to talk to you that... again. <laughs> <laughs> But the sentiment you were expressing was something along the lines of, you know, people with ADHD are interesting to be around and they're sort of quite fun and everything else. Now, I feel deep down, I've battled a lot with actually people find me irritating. And I think that that is possibly something that's, well, I'm wondering if that is something that's true for a lot of particularly women with ADHD, mm. because because we can be those really talkative, noisy girls when we're younger. Not always. I realise there are huge differences, but, you know, is being stereotypical, those really noisy, chatty girls. And I was definitely, definitely that. And I still am. You know, I, I still am. And, but I think negative messages along the way that I've heard about that make me worry that it's annoying rather than people go oh she's fun but actually I think if I were to ask my friends they would think I'm fun and but there are going to be people who find me annoying and I accept that but I think in my head it switched into generally people find me annoying okay so I would, I class this as the fear of being too much. Yeah, I like that. And I think that's something that a lot of ADHDs have have going on. And I know when, because we both sing in um, a women's barbershop chorus and um, so a cappella. And when I joined that uh, 13 years ago, I think it was, I, I had this fear of being too much. And I love to contribute. I'm always sticking my head above the parapet and all that kind of thing. And I remember asking, uh, our wonderful director if I'd been if I if if I was saying too much or doing too much and she said no you'll know if you are and, yeah. <laughs> and not at times I have been and I do try and um, uh, not be too much and and it's always that walking I was gonna say walking the plank no walking like um sitting on a seesaw or walk, rope. a tightrope that'll do yes oh. that's perfect thank you that's a tightrope <laughs> any metaphor you choose um Something you're walking, something along. You're walking yeah. along that isn't that isn't um, particularly stable um, and trying to balance things. And it is about achieving balance mm. all the time, isn't it? And it's, it, it can be exhausting. So I know what you were saying earlier about things being exhausting, emotional exhaustion and stuff. It is very 
it's sometimes managing our brains. Um, I think it's a bit like trying to sort of manage a wild animal and, and just uh, now they're there or, or a very small child. Sometimes it's like they're there. I know you're enthusiastic. I know you want to say that. Is this the right thing to be saying at this point? <laughs> Yeah. And but that's that second guessing that you end up doing. Yes. You know, what you're describing, I think, is and, and actually using that, ex the walking a seesaw, I think, is probably the right thing, because you can either be. I read this thing the other day uh, uh, on some ADHD forum and they said, I'm either you either get full on me like I've sort of drunk 15,000 coffees <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> taken lots of amphetamine or I'm. Buddhist monk with Zen master vow of silence and I think I yeah. go between the yeah. two yeah. you know because there are times when I I feel actually almost silenced and a bit frozen because I think I don't know how to be here I don't feel able to be me so and I am very quiet very shut off so I guess that's one end of the seesaw. The other end of the seesaw is the sort of full on, yeah. you know, us being us. And it, that balance is is really difficult to find. And I think it causes, certainly for me, a, a, a an inner conflict and a tension. You know, when can I be myself? H how much of myself can I give in this circumstance? without fear of being judged, annoying people, being, you know, like you said, too much. Mm. So, how, you know, how do you, how do we, or how do you, how do we manage that? <laughs> Trial and error. Um, yeah. I think, as with all these things, it's about, um, oh, we talk about in coaching about awareness, raising awareness, don't we? Um, and so it's raising awareness for ourselves. And I remember sometimes we get... I suppose this sort of leads into the other thing we we're going to talk about today. But sometimes we get messages from those around us, those nearest and dearest, uh, that feel horrible at the time. But we can take them on board uh, and use them. And uh, um, one of my ex-partners um, once said to me, oh, when I was about 30, 35. Which is a long time ago. She said, we'd, we'd gone windsurfing, it's my thing, um, windsurfing in Greece, and there's a bunch of people all there doing the same thing. And there was this thing where I always felt that people sort of liked me to start with, and then some of them didn't after a while. And she said, you know, Nick, you've got to realise that, you know, you are out there, you're, you're kind of loud and you have a presence and people notice when you walk into a room. And, and she said, you know, some people love that and other people don't like it and they find it, it's, it's just too much for them. And it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means that it's not for them. And I was absolutely gutted and crestfallen and hurt and oh, went into my shell like you were talking about earlier. And I've tried to learn from it, though. And I don't always get it right. But I know people are drawn to the enthusiastic, if you like, bubbly, that word, um, joiny any sort of side of me. I know they are. The energy I have when I have the energy, because uh, I have health con a health condition that sometimes impairs that, but most of the time I'm, I'm pretty energetic and I love sharing ideas and all that kind of stuff. And I love other people's ideas, not just my own. And it's it's just, you know, lovely. And sometimes 
it spills over and it's too much for people. True. And some people, I, but the people who get me really get me. And that's what I try and sort of hold on to, if you like, or not uh, adhere to, or that that's my tiller, I suppose, you know, like on a boat, a ship, oh, yeah. um, that, that helps vaguely guide me. And oh, I still get rejection sensitivity. I still get all that stuff going on. I had it <laughs> happen recently and it's like, but I deal with it slightly differently now. I've learned, not least through all the working with all the people I work with and all the stuff I listen to and everything else when I'm not watching the butterflies. Um, and I suppose the awareness, to go back to your question, the, the awareness is the main thing and trying to remain, remain aware and kind to, to yourself mm. and understand that you do things that you won't always live up to the high standards we set ourselves but if, as long as we're the, the general trajectory is is positive then i think that's all we can ask of ourselves but i think there's a lot of shame that can go with that journey of times where i think oh i was too much then or mm. I, you know that sort of being us, you know, the life and soul of the party is all well and good. <laughs> mm-hmm. But but I think once you've had comments like your ex-partner made or somebody, you know, for me, literally being told to shut up, yeah. you know, yeah. pipe down, the, oh. the, the less generously phrased <laughs> sort of statements, you know. Even as I, you know, I think I've told you this before, my grandmother once leaned over at the sort of dinner table and said must she talk oh and that sort of thing you know it's a bit of a joke in my family about my grandmother mm. not about me mm. you know about she was a, a bit of an old bacteria <laughs> um yes. but you know and it, it, it's those sorts of things do stick yeah, don't they, they? Do. Um, sorry can i just say my grandmother used to call me fidget ass <laughs> 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 she got me she got me absolutely <laughs> Yeah, but those sorts of things actually, there was there was a, 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 a something that came up at that um, conference, and it was saying that um, by the time I've got it here, by the time we are aged twelve, um, most people have heard twenty thousand oh, yeah. negative messages. Yeah. 20,000 negative messages and you and I both know as coaches that those negative messages absolutely stick and become those limiting beliefs that we work with people removing. Sorry, do you mean um, ADHD people or just general people? Well, this was the context in here that it was said about for ADHD people, but actually I'm sure it's everybody hears negative messages, but um, that you know, this is the context of us being told we're too noisy, too yeah. much, too loud, you know, the class clown thing. Sorry, I can't remember the actual numbers because unaccountably my working memory hasn't remembered the information. <laughs> um, but it's something, I don't know, let's say it's four to one. So say say 20,000 is the um, the ADHD one. So the, the normie count would be, I don't know, say 5,000 or something. It's It's a lot more... How they measured this, I have no idea, but let's assume it's true. And 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 it is it is true because I grew up as we'll probably talk about on another occasion. I grew up thinking I was stupid, and you know, stupid and lazy are words that come up regularly with my clients. 
and we, yeah. we look at it and we work with it as I'm sure you do with yours and it's and, it's 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 reframing all of that and working with it um but um it's the effect we all have on um the people around us as well that's 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 I suppose what my uh XX was talking about um when she was talking about me and the impact I was having because she didn't like I mean, I play the guitar and stuff and sing, and, and she didn't like me doing that, not because there's any comment on me, but because she felt it reflected on her. Mm. And so she didn't want to be in the limelight. And so when I was, she felt she was, and she didn't like it. Mm. Um, and so we, we, we all have, um, as ADHD is, the awareness is not just about ourselves, it's about how we impact other people. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that with my husband, I mean, we had a conversation. He said to me recently, you can never, he's just so restless. You can never just <laughs> go, oh, everything's all right. That's good. He said, you have to then bring in something else. So he said, you know, you finished a half marathon and you signed up for a triathlon. And I did the triathlon the other week. And he was joking with me and saying, you know, you're going to do a marathon next, aren't you? And I said, no, 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 I'll never do a marathon. And I've started marathon training. I haven't got the nerve to... Of course you have. I haven't, I haven't got the nerve to tell him because he'll just be like, oh, oh no. And, you know, he joked. Well, yeah, he is, he is. But, but actually, all joking aside... It, I think it does get to him because, and you know, he loves me and he's really encouraging of me, but I think he's, he quite likes things to be. He said, we, you know, we have, what, why does something, why do things always have to be changing? Why, why do we always, you always have to be seeking to improve or get better or go to the next step? Because that's you, Carrie, because that's you. And that's actually yes. very ADHD is we're always looking to suck the juice out of life and yeah. to make the most of it and you know um it's 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 back to that seesaw of of finding some sort of balance even if it's just i'm, I'm doing this in the air helpfully for those listening <laughs> um it's, it's finding sort of so you're not on each end but you're slightly near in the middle so <laughs> rather than jumping from end to end <laughs> yes but the end the ends I mean, I think that's it. The ends are where the exhaustion, oh, I'm asking this as a question, are the ends of that seesaw where the exhaustion takes place, either because you're on the full-on end and you are constantly seeking to improve and like, oh, I'm going to run a marathon and I'm going to move all the furniture around. I mean, I move furniture as well, a lot. And is your husband involved in this as well? Well, he is when he comes. Well, fortunately, he's not very observant. <laughs> Maybe he's just very, very tolerant. <laughs> Sometimes he doesn't notice if it's a small switch. And other times he's just like, oh, you've moved all the furniture around in the bedroom, sitting room, whatever it is. But, you know, that's just to finish that point, that end of the scale, the busy, the change, mm. the everything else is simultaneously our happy place are exciting that's the bit I really love mm. but it exhausts me completely the other end of the scale which is the you know zen monk with the <laughs> vow of silence is sometimes at 
actually a bit emotionally gentler but it's uncomfortable because it's not really who we are it's wearing a costume that I don't feel is really mine I'm 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 borrowing that is that free there sorry Karen no I don't mean freeze as in yeah. you mean as in fight flight freeze, freeze and form yeah no I, I think it's more that there are times so for example when I joined our singing group and I didn't know people I'm very quiet I see other new people who've joined and they're quite chatty and they're they're I can't I can't do that I'm very quiet first of all because because the op- otherwise I switch to the other end of the spectrum and I'm I worry that I'm too much. Do you do you do you, do you mean when you first joined or do you mean week by week? When I first joined, I was very very quiet. It took me a long time of getting to I I have to feel it's safe. Yes. And I have a few relations. Yeah, we became good friends because of the coaching mm. connection and I got to know you and that sort of made me think, "Ha, ah, okay, I can I can start moving along the seesaw a bit now. And I'm still not at the far end, but I'll make jokes now and I'll be more me. I'm more comfortably me now. And and is that because you don't want to be too much? Yes, 100%. Because I think it's a fear of rejection, isn't it? It is, yeah. Well, yes, it is. It's a fear of rejection. Yeah. And is that based on previous evidence? Yeah, I think it is. I remember... Um, a, an incident that particularly sticks out in my mind. I used to have to get the bus to school, and it, it was a it was a public transport bus, but it was always used by the school. It was always full of school kids, but members of the public could get on it. But it was really a school bus. And there was a girl. I was in the second form at school, so what year eight as is now? And this girl was two years older than me, and she um. She was quite cool because she had her head shaved at the side. So therefore I was a bit like, oh, she's quite cool. And she's, you know, and I was like this little second former who was a bit just noisy. And I was messing around with my friends and she just came along the bus with this packet of crisps and she scrunched it up and she tipped it in front of everybody over my head and sort of, said something horrible I can't remember the exact words about me being too loud and why didn't you just shut up sort of message and obviously that was really humiliating Mm. and she made a point of every time if she saw me around school she'd point sort of menacingly at me and I it really bothered me it really got to me and I think that sort of yeah, that that's just sort of one incident that sort of stuck with me of of just sort of being too too much. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I was just enjoying myself, but I was being noisy mm. as part of a group, and we would be singing, and we you know I was a typical noisy, singy, drama clubby, but noisy yeah. person. So yeah, it's a, it's a guard, but I think being at either ends of those the seesaw mm. are where are where our discomfort is found. So finding, you know, emotional regulation wise, Mm. as well as everything else. So it's a difficult balance because being in the middle may well be safer in some ways, but it's not, it's not who we are, but I guess it's, it's not, it's, but it's, 
it's stable, isn't it, in the middle of a seesaw? So I've got an image of somebody straddling the middle. So they've got a leg on each, a foot on each side of the seesaw. Yeah. And it's going from one side to the other in a sort of a, a more, more balance. It's not static. Ah, so this is back to what I used to, because I love windsurfing and I've got this image that I'm going to show you. Nobody else can see of me windsurfing. Okay, out in Greece, upside down. You've seen it before. Yes. And and that's sort of joy on a stick for me. And it's me being me and being mad and out in the water, but actually in control. Yeah. And I, I came up with this phrase when I was being coached, you know, because we're all coached as coaches. And um, the phrase that came up for me was active balance. Mm-hmm. I like that. So being static is no good for me. It's active balance. So it's if you're back to the seesaw, it's, it's just keeping... There's some sort of rhythm there. So you're going from not necessarily equally, but side to side and you, you, your thighs are flexing as you, your legs are going up, your feet are going up and down. Yeah. So, so and you can keep your feet quite wide. So you're not slap bang in the middle being boring. So you can have periods of um, excitement and you can have periods of calm, but they come. They're not at either end of the seesaw. They're more in the middle. And that's what I'm aiming for. And that's all we can do is to aim for things and put things into practice. And so I do. I've been doing some um, hypnotherapy tapes, which I've been trying to re. I used to meditate years ago when I was in Australia for a while, and and it was fine. And I used to be able to do it, as it were. And I got out of the practice and so on. And I've I've spent a lot of coaching sessions with my buddies, including you, trying to get back to find ways to help myself meditate. And actually. The way that's worked is because I now do hypnotherapy stuff, which is really useful for various things uh, to help deal with a, an autoimmune condition I have and all sorts of things. And and I've got about five or six different ones. And I just listen to them in the morning for about 25 minutes. And it's brilliant because it's like meditation, but it's actually doing two things at once. And we love that, don't we? Because we're using time effectively. <laughs> so and, and a bit like you noticing about walking your dog and my butterfly story. And that's what we could do is just build in things. Yeah, I think that's, I think you're right. It's, it's A, having an awareness of where you feel comfortable mm. and where you're not comfortable and sitting with that discomfort. Totally. And, and work, rather than running away from yeah. it, which is probably a whole other conversation. <laughs> we can, we can cover that <laughs> another time. <laughs> but I think it is, is about... Yeah, I like that active balance. I think that's a, a good sort of message to for, for me to come out of this conversation, actually. That image of standing in the middle of a, a seesaw, as we used to do as kids, yes. sort of getting it, trying to get it level and you constantly are having to adjust it. Yeah. But that is a place of control. Yes. And strength. Yes. Um, and it's being able to balance those sides of you. Yeah. Whilst being aware that you don't want to, you know, that that if it tips a bit too far once one way, you balance it to the middle again, not to the other extreme. Yes, I just had this thought of um, from Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, sure. where uh, gorgeous Robert Redford is standing there as the Sundance Kid with his gun. Oh, and again, a guy that they're trying to, I can't remember what they're trying to do with him, but him and Paul Newman are trying to do something with this guy. And the guy doesn't believe that they're Butch and Sundance. So he puts a gun in his hand and says to uh, Robert Redford, uh, shoot those three cans. And he looks down at his hand with the gun in it and he said, what, shoot those three cans? And he said, yes. So he fires off some shots and he misses all of them. And he says, yeah, you're not Sundance. And he says, can I move now? And the guy says, sorry? He says, can I move now? And he says, yeah. 
So he f- does the twirly thing, stuffs it in his holster, turns around, spins around and shoots all three of them. And says, that's ADHD. Can I move now? <laughs> so if we try and be static and keep the, the, the seesaw absolutely horizontal, it ain't going to work. No. But if we allow ourselves some flex. Yeah. Between then. Yes. That's, that's what we can aim for. Active balance. There we go. Love it. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you, Carrie. Thanks so much for listening to the ADHD Connection. Um, As we're just starting out, it would really help if you spread the word to anyone else who might like to listen. So please, could you click to subscribe, leave a review on your usual podcast app, especially Apple, Spotify, Google or YouTube. And of course, we'd love you to like and share it. If you want to find out more about us, our websites are in the show notes. And thanks again. We're looking forward to being back with you in a couple of weeks. Thank you.